Welcome back to the Ojogu Bonito podcast with me, your host, Jake Ron, and Mr. Ferguson. Welcome back. Hello, hello, hello. Well, football over the last seven days as the season ramps up. We are recording this on the 27th of April. We've seen a whirlwind of fixtures over the past seven to eight days, haven't we? We have. It's been it's been chaotic. It's been uh well, it's just been very very exciting. It's been good fun. I've enjoyed it. Um of course big twists in the tale for the uh, Premier League title, uh further developments of the relegation battle. Uh yeah, there's there's plenty going on for us to dissect at the moment. And of course, two FA Cup semi-finals. Exactly. We've also got the Bundesliga title race hotting up with Bayern dropping points and Dortmund winning 4-0 against Frankfurt. And that, that leaves many questions and many unanswered responses from the Bayern board on why they decided to sack Julian Nagelsmann. Do you want to talk? Let's talk a bit more about that because apart from the fact that his girlfriend was a, a build reporter... And he used to turn up to training on a on a skateboard, and maybe a bit naive with some of his press conferences. I thought he was he did really really well at Bayern. Yeah, I, he he did by all accounts. He was he was doing very good work there. I think there must have. It, it, it feels so strange and out of the blue. It felt strange enough to do when it happened, and it feels stranger given Tuchel's appointment and the fact he hasn't done very well, at least at the start of his managerial reign however long it goes on for all of that to me screams that it was some kind of disciplinary issue uh, that's and i have no evidence no firm evidence to back that up this is purely speculation on my part um i don't think i've even seen anything reported about it but otherwise i can't think why you'd sack him i i truly cannot think why you would sack a successful manager right before was that before the before Der Classico. Yeah, before before Der Classico, before I think it was before the Champions League quarters as well. It was, yes. And it yeah. None of that timing makes sense to me. It it, it all felt very, very strange. I mean one possible explanation for it, apart from the disciplinary side of things, could be that the that they wanted Thomas Tuchel before and he rejected them to go to PSG. That obviously stemmed from the fact that they wanted Jürgen Klopp and the idea of Bayern being FC Hollywood of Germany, having the best German players, German coach. That's probably the reason why they've gone for Tuchel because they failed to get Klopp and, they, and Tuchel in the past. Granted, Nagelsmann was very naive and with certain things when throwing the players inadvertently under the bus in certain situations, but the, fo- mean, the football was, was pretty decent. I know they were inconsistent. They've drawn a lot of games, but... If if they've done all of this because they wanted Tuchel, this will go down as one of the biggest mistakes in German football. It's a it's a dreadful dreadful move if they've truly done that. I agree, and I truly truly believe that Nagelsmann will be a top class coach. And who knows? This may lead to a changing of the guard in the Bayern boardroom. Oliver Kahn may get sacked as the CEO. You might see Karl Heinz, uh, Rummenigge in there. You might see. Early Hernes coming back. So might be some changes there. And Bayern has always been 
a very cutthroat environment for for coaches, for players. I mean, famously, Renato Sanchez failed to settle there. Um, you've had countless amount of players who've who've failed to settle in a Bayern because of the the highly Germanic Bavarian culture there. Now, that's not a criticism of it, but Bayern doesn't seem like one of those super clubs who, who are really international. And frankly speaking, I think I don't think they're going to win the Bundesliga now because Dortmund look really, really good. Could this pursue, uh, persuade Jude Bellingham to stay another year? I think so. Um, do, you, do you think Bellingham stays whether Dortmund win the league or whether Dortmund lose the league? I think Bellingham stays. Just full stop. Um, there's been links to Man City. Very strong links that he's going to Man City. Yeah, I mean, you, you're you well aware of my stance on Jude Bellingham at this point. I I think any club who's got £120 million to spend should be bidding for Jude Bellingham. Um, it's because so many teams are lack, uh, don't have in midfield what he can bring for such a long period of time potentially to come. Vice-captaining Dortmund at 19 is technical skills that you've seen for Dortmund and for England as well. Yep. He's you know, he's played under different forms of pressure. Uh, I'm not. Uh, this isn't a podcast to rant about Jude Bellingham. <laughs> that I've, I've already done that one, I think, at least three times. Um, but I, I don't know whether Dortmund winning or not winning the title would help him stay. I don't know if he if he wants one more crack at the Champions League with them, perhaps. I just think that will Man City stump up 150 million, 120 million for Jude Bellingham? Yes. Uh, I know they've done that on Jack Grealish, but... To be fair, no, I, I, I say that quite presumptively. City are not actually typically big spenders on a single player. They will spend a lot of, they'll spend a lot of money on a lot of squad players, but generally, yeah, that, that Grealish deal was very much the exception even the Holland deal they only paid what 60 million for him well they paid Dortmund that amount of money but with agents fees and everything that's going to be surplus well, yeah. of 100 million um, and I think he's on considering his goal scoring uh, exploits I think he's on about 400 grand a week uh, he's, he's on he's on very very good money for his work um, the only explanation I could see well the Jude Bellingham transfer seems very similar to the Bernardo Silva transfer in 2017 because I remember being sort of 13, looking at Bernardo Silva linked to Man City, and I was like, that doesn't really make sense. They have David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, I think Phil Foden was emerging at this point as well, or maybe emerged the season after. And I thought, this doesn't make sense at all. And I think they also got Gundogan the previous season. But Bernardo Silva is he's a, ge- he's a genius. He's a once-in-a-lifetime footballer. He's mm. In terms of... Uh, a number eight on the right probably couldn't even play a left back um, him him leaving this year would be a hammer hammer blow to Man City Gundogan might be leaving as well so those are two they're very different players to Jude Bellingham um, Pep likes to talk about the pausa or rest resting in possession Bernardo Silva and Gundogan are those type of players so Pep would most likely look for those replacements because Jude Bellingham attacking traits especially ball carrying would I would compare it equi- in equivalence to Kevin De Bruyne's passing because mm. as I think I've mentioned countless times on this podcast in terms of ball progression you either progress it via your passing a la De Bruyne Bruno Fernandes or your dribbling Bellingham 
uh, Jack Grealish, to name a few. Kalu Mitoma. Exactly. Um, I, 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 I'm not sure I'd quite put Bellingham's dribbling on De Bruyne's passing level yet. But, but that's his standout attribute in but my But we're opinion. saying yet, and he's 19. He's been playing football to, since he was 16. The only thing I would say is, could we see later on in his career a bit of a burnout because he's been playing fresh football since he's 16? That's very... I mean, you look at Wayne Rooney, for example, who, you know, his body just kind of broke down, even trying to play in that deeper line position. Then again, he didn't really take care, very good care of himself. No, he didn't. And I, I think Jude Bellingham does a better job of that. Um, but, oh man, I I was scrolling through the my revamped Twitter feed with uh, well, all of the all of the changes that have been going on there. And I've seen recently a couple of clips of, of Rooney in his prime. And I really, I didn't appreciate him. I did not appreciate him for what he was. He was phenomenal. Just incredible. And actually, let us know if you want us to do a retro episode because when the season's over, what we could do is just talk about football. We can have a football pod episode just dedicated to football across the 2010s, 2000s, the 90s. Um, yeah, let us know if you want that, that to happen. Because we'll start challenging Match of the Day's top 10 podcasts. <laughs> I think we'd be top, actually. Um, <laughs> and I don't say that lightly because. Football is a global sport, and here at Ojogo Bonito, we have a, a real global lens, not only from the name of the podcast, meaning the beautiful game, but in our knowledge base as well. Um, yeah, Jude Bellingham at City doesn't really make sense to me in my head, but could he be that long? Uh... I, I think he's a player that, that Pep would like to... Actually, here's, a, here's an aspect I've only just thought of. How much longer does, does Kevin De Bruyne have, I wonder? He's got a couple of years left. I Maybe three, four, I, I don't actually know. Is he 31 at the moment? I think so, 31, 32. So let's say he's got four years left hmm. at, the, at that top level, which I could believe. Um, it will drive me insane if he does, but I could believe that he has four years at an elite level left. If you can get Jude Bellingham in now, learning from Kevin De Bruyne about passing... I'm not sure there's a better person in the world to teach you about passing other than maybe prime Xavi or prime Paul Scholes. Modric? Um, maybe, maybe Modric. Modric is very similar to Bellingham apart from the lack of physicality because they're yeah. both very good at ball carrying. Um, and over the years, as Modric's career has progressed, he's developed that defensive side of his game yeah. as well. So obviously the Madrid links make sense. But I would rather see Bernardo Silva as a Modric replacement at Real Madrid than Jude Bellingham. I know Bernardo Silva sort of 28, but you know, seeing him dance through La Liga defences on a weekly basis would be amazing. Um, obviously, as Modric enters the twilight of his career. Um, Kroos is staying for another year as well. Um, so the idea, I think Pep's midfield, you've got obviously got Rodri, who's the defensive dis- mm. destroyer. At the moment, he's technically playing with five centre-backs. Yeah. Diaz, um, Walker's played a centre-back before. Rodgers played a centre-back before. Stones is obviously a centre-half as well. And Kanji. So, but caveat that by saying they're all phenomenal on the ball. Mm. So, assuming Pep goes back to his iteration of the 4-3-3, his main principles, um, you'd obviously have a holding midfielder, someone who can connect the, a Regista-esque player. You'd obviously have the two, as De Bruyne describes those positions, three eights. Mm. 
obviously one would progress the play through the part their passing, the other one through their dribbling. But obviously they have to be well rounded in in both. You could see Jude Bellingham fitting into the the ball progression via dribbling. The passing bit, I would actually say. Julian Alvarez looks like a very, very astute signing because yeah, he, he, he can incredible. cover he can cover all attacking positions. And he we've seen recently Pep has brought him on for Kevin De Bruyne. Now we're not a Man City podcast, but we can appreciate Julian Alvarez. And they've they signed him last year and they've already made him sign a new deal. Mm. Um a year extension. I to, mean, yeah. It was it was a I remember being a little confused at the time when you know, they signed Holland and then they signed Alvarez, and you're kind of like Wait, what? You've signed two strikers in the same window, and one of them's the one who's who you say is going to win you the Champions League. Well, what are you doing here then? Now, Alvarez looks like a fantastic signing. He looks incredible. He's Gabriel uh, Jesus, but without the. Well, as Pep said, Gabriel Jesus is levels above him in pressing as of yet, but more versatile, I would say, because mm. he can play the free eight, the left, the right, and obviously cover for Erling Holland as well. So. Yeah. How many years does Erling Haaland have at City? Well, that's that's up for debate. Um, I mean, the talk when he signed was that he'd be there for two or three, but I've heard uh, rumours lately that it's going to be longer than that. I think I think it'll be two or three. I think um, Rafaela Pimenta, his agent, and the Mina Raiola group, uh, obviously the late Mina Raiola, mm. may he rest in peace, uh, may have different plans for him. Here's, and, here's a question for you as, as a Man United fan. Would you rather Holland only stay in the Premier League for two years, but City win the treble this year? Or would you rather Holland stay for five or six years, City winning the league every year, but never getting the Champions League? Hmm. Uh, How much do you value the sanctity of the treble? Before my time, but <laughs> I would say I value it highly. So I'd have to take the latter. But you know what? Actually, I'll be honest. It sounds ludicrous again, and I've said this many times. I don't know why, if there is, if City's cheating scandal is proven to be correct, why don't you do a reverse Carlos Tevez? I, do you know, I was just thinking that. I, it, and I was thinking that for a couple of reasons, because I also think that... Um, I, I do think Holland would actually fit amazingly into a, a Manchester United system. Uh, at the moment, I, th- I think he'd work really, really well with them, especially, you know, Hall and Fernandez link up potentially would be incredible. Um, you get him back playing with Sancho again. Yes. Um, and they both worked extremely well together at Dortmund, obviously a different league now. Um, you could even, you know, you could have Hall and join defenders out and have Rashford running in behind. There's, there's all sorts of options you could bring to that if you took Hall and down to, you know, however many miles it is across Manchester. It would be controversial. Um, I would love to get that welcome to Manchester with Erling Haaland (laughs) in the red of Man United. Um, Although something tells me with with Roy Keane and what happened with his dad, that may not be the case. But, you know, if you're the new owners of Man United and it looks like there's going to be new ownership, I'd be very... I mean, I'd have the audacity to just go speak to Erling Haaland and say, all right, 200 million... We'll give you half a million quid uh, pounds a week. Uh, come sign for us. We're building something. I know you love Pep, but United's the biggest club in this city. Um, we have more than just Manchester-based fans. Come join the biggest club in England. Mm. There's and 
I think that I mean I I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. Absolutely not. I I personally think it's more likely if there is a Qatari takeover that Ozzyman, right? Bellingham. Bellingham. Yeah, I think Bellingham because I think I think they if there is new ownership over the summer, I think they will want to make a a big statement signing as I think most ownership is want to do when they first take over a club. And we've seen over the last few weeks how important it is when United do not have their first choice midfield on the field. Whether that be through Casemiro's suspensions or Fernandez's suspension, through Eriksen's injury, um, McTominay's fallen out of favour, it seems. Um, I think that there's... I, I really do think that Bellingham will be an incredibly astute signing. You get Casemiro as the destroyer, you get Bellingham as the dribbler, you get Fernandez as the passer. I think it makes a tremendous amount of sense to me, and I think it's the level of statement signing they'd want. It'd be, they'd be signing a young player with years and years of potential on his hands, a potential future captain of the club. The I, only thing is, he's not homegrown, technically. He is if they sign him this summer. Is he? He's This summer is the last chance, I believe. Because obviously... Cristiano Ronaldo was homegrown because he spent 18 to 21. He's not homegrown yet. Yeah. But I think if he spends two more, if he signs this summer for a Premier League club and he plays for them for two years, he will be homegrown. Is my understanding. Because okay. uh, I know Garnacho is going to be homegrown. Yeah. Um, you're going to have Rashford, obviously. Rashford. Um, Sancho's not homegrown. No, he's not. Uh, Elanga would count as homegrown if he stays. Yeah. Um, Wan Bissaka is obviously homegrown. Yeah. Um, um, by the way, Wan Bissaka surprised me a lot recently. Um, I think there was a dribble against Brighton. Oh, really. Wan Bissaka has been has suddenly turned into a, a Brazilian right back. It's really bizarre. He still needs to work on his final ball. He looks a bit awkward. I think he did an interview saying that when he was coming through at Crystal Palace and attacking play, he had all of that, but he sort of forgot it, mm. which do- didn't really make sense to me. Um, I I can sympathise with that because I'm so tangent. I'm a tennis player myself. Uh, I played for a good thirteen years or so straight. I was a I was pretty solid when I about the time I was doing my A levels, and then I didn't play while I was at university because there wasn't a really a convenient sort of tennis offering there. And when I came back home again, my backhand had just completely dropped off. And my backhand was my strongest shot at that point. And I got back and I just couldn't play it anymore. And in fact, I still really, I can't really play it at this point. I'm, I'm not very good at it. I hope any of the league players aren't watching this podcast. Um, but yeah, I, so I, I can sympathise with that in a way. It's, it's, it is strange to think that you can lose a potent weapon like that. But it, it does happen. Yeah, it's, and it's really bizarre when it does. And actually, um, I've predicted on this podcast that Luke Shaw will have a dip next season. I hope not, but I can see Diogo Dalot being a really, really good inverted fullback on that side. Um, and in combination with Marcus Rashford, who I still have lingering doubts over his consistency, because ever since he's come back from that injury, he's looked a bit hesitant, a bit mm. like Rashford of last season. There's an there's an interesting because the the interesting thing that happens next season is there are stricter financial fair play rules coming in, which means that it, and it's tapered over the next few years. So for this 
upcoming transfer window, you can only spend on transfers, I think, 90% of your revenue. Of your revenue and then it goes down. Yeah. your player sales, hmm. um, or including your player sales. I forget which one it is. But it means that player sales are going to be incredibly important. So there's lots of talk among United fans, and I'm sure there will be among many other fans, Chelsea fans most certainly, yeah. about what players they need to sell to raise funds to buy other players. And there's a, there's been a lot of talk around United about which right-back do you keep if you're signing Jeremy Frimpong. Hmm. And is it going to be Jeremy Frimpong? Because well, if it is. He's the one United have been the strongest thing to. You could sign Vanderson from Monaco as well. Yeah, we know you like Vanderson. Um, I've suggested him on many <laughs> of our rebuilds. Um, Frimpong is obviously the marquee signing, and uh, if Leverkusen do get to the Europa League final, I will be seeing him in action. So mm. let's see if he passes the eye test um, for that exciting Xabi Alonso side. Um, it's a hard one, really, because... Wambasaka's resurgence has been unexpected, yet I don't think he is truly a very comfortable fullback on the ball. I, I think you have to... The issue I have is I would 100% keep Wambasaka because we've seen it time and time again. He can lock down a left winger. And there are so many good Mitoma, left wingers for in example. world football. He locked down Mitoma. He locked down Sam Maxman. He's locked down... Um, uh, Grealish, Grealish yeah, Sterling, Sterling, so many. You know, um, I think he did a number on. Uh, he did a number on as, as well. Uh, he must have done a number on Mbappe. I think he did. Yeah, although that might have also been Transebe, Transebe, and strangely, uh, um, Wambasaka. Yeah, Transebe and Wambasaka on. I think it was on Mbappe and Neymar at that point, and I, I don't think you can give that up, but. Dallo has much more value because of his versatility. He can play left-back and he can play right-back. He's pretty comfortable on both. I don't think he's as good anymore, and I'm not sure he will be again. But I can see that versatility being important, especially if they need to sell another player and they move on. Maguire, uh, McTominay. Yeah, they 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 move on someone else in that back line. You know, say they they sell Maguire. They sure it plays as a, a hybrid left back, centre back, and then Dallow also covers left back. You know, there's there's options there if you keep Dallow. I I'd agree, and um, I would like to see Luke Shaw play as a centre and a centre back more often because I believe that he's a bit suspect at left back. Malassia has been okay. Um, I have not been massively impressed with Malassia. He had a great start to the season. And I don't think he's hit those heights again by a long shot. I I think we, United still need another left back. Um, I would be looking at the likes of. I mean, Teo Hernandez is a very obvious left back to and get. a very expensive one. Very expensive. That that's correct. I mean, you could get Grimaldo on a free. Mm. Um, Rafael Guerrero on a free and who could also cover central midfield. I think Guerrero would be a really smart signing for any club this summer. I do think he would go to Man City. Mm. Um, he seems like the most Man City, Man City signing ever. He does, ever. yeah. Um, Grimaldo's been linked to Fulham out of all clubs, actually. Mm. Um, we're really, really good signing for them. Um, I'm not sure if Guerrero signed a new deal at Dortmund, but um, he got player of the month recently mm. for, for the Bundesliga. So 
he'll be a really, really astute signing for, for any team because he can cover wing back, left back, even as a as a left sided winger, a central midfielder. I would I'd really like to see him in the in the Premier League. But that aside, um United have been very poor at selling players historically yeah. in the last ten years. I think we made a profit on three players, that's pretty much it. Um is the goalkeeper situation that needs addressing. Yeah. Um, what are your um, thoughts on that? Well, we were talking off air about the... Um, uh, his name's completely... Levakovic. Levakovic. Um, I know nothing about him, to be completely honest, but... Well, he's good at saving penalties. He's good at saving penalties. As far as I'm aware, though, that's basically the only difference between his play style and David De Gea's play, play style. He is going to cost £9 million, and... He'd be a really, really good backup keeper. Yeah, I think backup keeper is a very, very good point. Now, it, it might even help De Gea out having some legitimate competition, like he did with Sergio Romero. I don't know why United let go of Sergio Romero. It was a straight... Yeah, he was a great it's, keeper. It's, Solskjaer messed that up massively by not playing him against Chelsea mm. in that FA Cup semi-final. And I remember Brandon Williams made a catastrophic error because he's not a left-footed left-back mm. and David De Gea let my balls sort of slip through his hands as well um, but yeah I would have loved to have Sergio Romero back at United yeah. I if know you're, he's in if Argentina. you're keeping David De Gea if he's signing a new deal um, which if he is I think it'll come after the next positive result United have so that it doesn't come immediately after um, the severe catastrophe mm. Um if you're keeping him, then I, I'm not objected. I'm not objecting to signing a backup keeper who can actually challenge him. You know, I, I don't think when we re-signed Jack Buckland, for example, he was ever considered legitimate competition. True. He was. He was more of like a, a Tom Heaton style dressing room signing. Exactly. And there's talk that Jack Buckland's going to Rangers in the summer. Um. So clearly he's not impressed Ten Hag enough to to stay, even though he's going to be on a, on a free transfer. Could we see, I'm sure you remember the 2014 World Cup quarterfinal where Citizen came off for Tim Krul against mm. the Costa Rica. It's the quarterfinal, I believe, yes. Um, and Tim Krul saved a bunch of penalties. Mm. I would actually think Levakovic would be really, really good at that. Um, I, I would, I, I don't know enough about him to uh, agree or disagree with that. I'm not sure that David De Gea is the kind of keeper who would be okay with that, though. Yeah, historically, he's not been very good with. Combat. I know. I know that De Gea is not great at penalties. You know, he he didn't save any of the penalties in the shootout. Then he saved a penalty in a while. No, not in a, um, a very long time. But I just on a, a temperament level, I'm not convinced that he is. Someone who would be happy if they if he was brought off before a penalty shootout. So if we look at uh, Levakovic's FB ref report, um, he's in the top one percent for post shot xG uh, minus goals against. I think he's in the Champions League. That, that's sort of the 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 defining metric for goalkeepers, really. Yeah. Um. And obviously he was playing for Dinamo Zagreb. Um, he's in the in the Croatian league. He's only conceded twenty six, seventy three percent save, uh, and uh, that's his goals against really. Um, 
obviously high in touches, launches the ball. So um, if we compare him to David De Gea, for example, uh, where can we do that? Uh, I'll be interested to see these numbers because from what I've seen of analysis of Lovakovic, he's his play style is similar to David De Gea. I've not confirmed that myself, obviously. Um, so if we look at David De Gea's post shot XG, um, it's not great. Uh, it's clean. He's got the United have the most clean sheets in the league, by the way. Yeah. Um, and they still have a goal difference that's in single figures. <laughs> just because we got mauled by teams away from home. Um, his cross has stopped De Gea's in the sixth percentile. Uh, goal kicks, fifth percentile. Average length of goal kicks, 44 metres. So that's more than Levakovic, I believe. Um, and he compares to Chesney, Ramsdale, Simon, Tatarushanu and Manone as his top five comparisons. Um, Lost side is going to be looking for a goalkeeper this summer. Spurs are going to look for one, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, could see Juventus looking for one. Possibly. Um, though Perrin has been doing okay. Um, Chelsea might even be looking for a goalkeeper. So, I mean, if we compare him to, I mean, the, the obvious candidates are sort of Diogo Costa, for example. Yeah, Diego, Post, he is. He's considered the sort of the high watermark of a keeper that that might be signed this summer. Oh, uh, I've gone into the wrong Diogo, Diogo Costa at this point. <laughs> Who does he play for? Oh. No, I've actually gone for the right Diego Costa. He just doesn't have a beard, which is funny. Um, wow, I didn't actually expect that. <laughs> it's Diego Costa without a beard. <laughs> so I see me with that one. Um, he's in his goals against his 98th percentile, clean sheet percentage. I mean, cross has stopped his, his touches. And I just think, I mean, I talked about ball striking last episode. He just looks really comfortable when he's doing when he's striking the ball. Yeah. Um, and just out of interest, how old is he? At he this is twenty three. Yeah. So that's and that's a great age to sign a goalkeeper at. I mean, I'm also going to have a look at Andre Onana because he's slightly older. He's at, he's twenty seven, um, and his metrics are really really good. And I think he's passed the eye test. Although, uh, and actually, I'll. I'll Caveat these numbers, obviously, in the f- the first percent. Uh, he's only got 1% of defensive action outside the penalty area. That's because Inter are not very high, mm. high line side. Same thing there. And he's just got to launch it. But, I mean, if you look at his Ajax numbers, um, I mean, if you look at goals against, for example, he conceded 15 goals in the 2021 season, um, which was the last full season. Goals against, save, save percentage is in the 80, 80%, clean sheets. So, so he's a really, really good goalkeeper. Um, his post shot XG, he's done five, four. Um, sorry, did he? Could the, I'm not sure. Let's double check this. Minus 2.7. FBF just has so many numbers. So positive didn't... numbers suggest better luck or above average ability to stop shots. Okay. So apparently he might have conceded more than expected at Ajax last season in Anaita, but he saved five goals, for example. Let's have a look at Davide, because I know uh, the 17-18 season's probably been his peak. Mm. Um, and I think he's made the most errors leading to goals in... I, I don't remember what the time span is, but he's 
he's leading that unfavourable statistic in the Premier League. Yep, so if you look at his 17-18 season, uh, by the way, this is a, a, def- a United defence with Phil Jones, Rojo, Smalling uh, under Mourinho, which conceded 28 goals. Um, David De Gea saved United 12 and a half, conceded 12 and a half goals less than expected. I mean that's that's and that's that's probably the best season a single goalkeeper has had in Premier League history. Mm, dare it, I it say it was incredible. Um, he played almost every game. He conceded one free kick, one penalty. He scored two own goals, but I mean his pass completion was again very very low. And the season after, he conceded one more than expected. 20, last season, actually, he saved United one goal. Um, his post-shot XG per 90 in that 17-18 season was 0.3, positive 0.34. So he's saving United a goal at roughly every three games. Mm. That, that was sensational. Um, yeah. I mean, if you sold him after that season, you could have got sort of... 80, 90, 60, 70 million at least. He's got a very, very good number, I'm sure. Um, and if we look, do you want to look, have a look at another goalkeeper? Um, any other goalkeeper you'd say you'd like United to sign? Um, I'd be, I'd be curious to know what one of the names I've seen touted is Mike Mignon. I was actually going to put Mignon in here as well. Um, he actually came for a PSG. Fun fact: he went from PSG to Lille. So, again, he's the... Let's see who's the highest in this regard. So, currently, Jordi Massip of Valladolid has the highest post-show XG value of 0.31, mm. apparently. Um, Mike Manuel's got 0.13. His goals against are 0.79. So, just under a, a goal a game... Save percentages in the high 70s. I mean, if we look at uh, Thibaut Courtois, do you want to have a guess what Thibaut Courtois' save percentage is this season? Save percentage? Um, at Madrid, that would be... This is this is to show how, how sensational his season has been. Um, let's... Uh, is it something like 78%? Nope, 84.3%. 84%. Blimey. Um... I mean, actually, Brees Samba, formerly of Forest, is putting up really, really good numbers for for Lons at the moment. Um, I mean, yeah, you can have a look at his numbers here. He stopped. He stops eight percent of his mm. crosses. Um, his post shot actually is zero point one five, and he's got relatively high save percentage, and his clean sheet percentage is good. But is that that's Brees Samba? Is it? Yes. Now, it's interesting you bring that up. So, if you frequent the Manchester United subreddit r slash red devils on Reddit. A post on there recently was about using machine learning to find modern goalkeepers in Europe, hmm. um, which identified based on a few different metrics, including passes, goal kicks, uh, sweeping distances, cross stops, um, and various things like that. Uh, it clustered some of the, it clustered all of the results, and of the most desirable cluster. Obviously, there were goalkeepers like Edison and Allison in there who wouldn't be realistic signings, but Bryce Samba was one of them. Um, David De Gea was incredibly low down in that cluster. 
Um, the other ones that were mentioned in there were Ivan Provedel of Lazio, uh, Gregor Kobel of Dortmund, and Alex Mere of Napoli. So, Kobel, I'm sure you've seen that horrible error against Bayern Munich. Yes, yes, that was um, awful. Merritt is... Alex Merritt's only broken into the, the Napoli team this season because Ospina left. And Provedel has been a wonderful signing for Lazio and has sort of supercharged them to second in the league. Um, how does Emmy Martinez figure in that? Um, I I do not see any statistics for Emmy Martinez. He's either not in the first or second category, and I don't know whether that's because he was excluded on not being a suitable option hmm. uh, or a, a, a re- considered a reasonable transfer target or because he appeared in a different cluster. So we can have a look at Emmy Martinez's numbers. I would like to have Emmy Martinez at United. Um, I know he's 30, but goalkeepers can play until they're, they're 40, really. Yeah. He's in the top 1% of goalkeepers for crosses stopped. He stops 11% of his crosses per 90, which is pretty sensational. Mm. Um, and if we look at the launch percentage, uh, just David Soria of Hetafe, well, that's to be expected because they ro- Spain is, is about playing out from the back. Most teams play out from the back in Spain. Mm. Um, goal kicks... Centaur-wise, you got Gikiewicz, I think. Is he at Union Berlin? It might be at Freiburg. Augsburg, sorry. Augsburg. So he's the 99th percentile for touches and goal kicks. Augsburg are already aside, a bit like Man United, are really, really good at home. So mm. just a, a fun fact there. Save percentage again, Thibaut Courtois is just on a different planet, really. Amy White says, is conceding a goal a game. Um, Schwolo at Schalke is conceding two and a half goals a game. You've got to Stegen. I mean, if United could get to Stegen, that would be great. But that's not really that realistic. Yeah. Um, enough about goalkeepers. Because uh, I'm just not really bothered. Um, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about... Well, obviously, we've covered the Premier League in death to death. But Arsenal, what's going on with Arsenal? I still, I still believe they can win the league. Um, of course, it's now out of their hands whether they can win the league or not. Um, yeah, that's because City's games in hand are West Ham and Brighton. Um, not the easiest games, and I've I've I remember predicting on our last episode that I thought City would win that game, but Arsenal would still win the league. Hmm. Um, I'm less certain about it now. It's happened, obviously, but it's uh, it's still possible that City trip up, but I do think it's it's theirs to lose now. Not because of the result, but because of the manner of the result. City just found another gear and a half or so and just kind of... They, it's not even that they steamrolled Arsenal. They just sort of stepped over them. They didn't need to engage the highest level of pet ball. Hmm. They just played good football and played very hard to break down football, and Arsenal couldn't handle it. Let's have a look at um, Manchester City's remaining fixtures. Um, so they play Fulham on the weekend. That's not an easy game. By no, it's not. Fulham away, yeah. Um, West Ham at home. West Ham do maybe have a point to prove, but then again, they're probably focused more on the Conference League. Leeds fighting for their lives. Everton fighting for their lives. Chelsea sort of down and out. They've got Brighton and then Brentford. Mm. Brentford at home. Brentford at home against City. Brighton away. 
So usually a tough result, they're pretty good at the Amex. So, yeah, so they're, oh, they're at the Amex for that one. Yes. That'll be tough then, yeah. Um, Everton, again, they've got relegation teams, which look easy, but... Playing relegation teams at the end of the season is, is not ideal. No. Um, if we look at Arsenal's games, they've got Chelsea next, so that should be an easy three points. <laughs> Newcastle, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, Brighton at home, Forest, and then Wolves. Um, Arsenal need to get... 15 points, really. Yeah, and that's what Arteta was saying uh, this morning when we recorded this. They they need to be perfect. Yeah. And I'm, in all honesty, I think United have wrapped top four up. Yeah, top four, certainly. Top three, different question. Well, we have a game in hand on Newcastle. You know, have we got two at this point? No, just just the one. Oh, just the one. Well, we should be playing actually tonight Yeah, against Spurs. I think we'll beat Spurs. Uh yeah, I mean, from our predictions uh, last week, uh, I think I have actually got Spurs down to win that one, um, which I feel slightly dirty about. But I mean, Spurs have just stacked, sacked their interim. Yeah. It, but new manager bounce. <laughs> Villa are up to fifth. Yeah, that's, that's kind of come out of nowhere for me. I didn't realise they were climbing so much. Um, and that actually, because United have three games in hand on Villa... 2 1 Liverpool, 6 ahead of Liverpool, 5 ahead of Villa, which makes me think top four is wrapped up. Yeah. Um, and United should still should have still been in a Europa League semi final against Juventus, but that, not everything goes your way. Yeah. Um, looking at these fixtures for, for each team, I mean, actually, I want to go to the relegation side of things at the moment. And let's go through all the relegation teams and who you would pick. Um, and it's a couple of players you would pick for other teams in the league. So, do you want to start off with? Should we go fifteenth to twentieth, or do you think West Ham is still in this? Um, let's let's have a look at the table and and see what I think. So, because I I've, table I've wise, here, we've got it here. Table wise, it's just got it here. Um, so Wolves, Palace. I think Chelsea. If Chelsea lose all their games, the results don't go their way. They could. Yeah, they, down. they can. They can mathematically still get relegated. And highly in unlikely. Fairness, they actually don't have the kindest running, but I don't think it's bad enough that they won't take a single point. Well, they lost five in a row uh, under Lampard. Oh, true. Uh, and it um, is Chelsea at the end of the day. But no, they'll be, they'll, they will be fine, much as it pains me to say. Um, um, I mean, look, they've got Arsenal next. They've got Bournemouth, Forest, City, United and Newcastle. Do you see them getting any win? I mean, Bournemouth, Forest, maybe. But again, those are teams which are on the, the relegation precipice. Yeah, Bournemouth I think is their best chance. Forest have some. Forest are close enough to the battle to be fighting. Bournemouth, are ju- they are low enough to not be as as good a team, but high enough that they are not the most worried right now. The last time Chelsea won was on the eleventh of March. Well, that's not a good record. Uh, in um, the Premier League, at least they've lost three in a row in the Premier League. Um. They've had two nil-nil results against Liverpool this season. Um, and that was their last point, actually. Liverpool at home. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll go up to West Ham, okay. but only because they haven't played their game in hand yet. As, same with Bournemouth. So, do you want to get their squads up or just do it out of, of memory? Let's do it from memory, yeah. Cool. So, I'm going to have the West Ham squad up here. 
I think they're the best of the lot, really. I mean, yeah. start off goalkeepers, Fabianski, Ariola. Yeah. Um, Ariola, I think, would be a really, really good keeper for Spurs. Um, yeah, as I a shout. Uh, United, as a backup, would be not too bad. I'm he'd also be, thinking... stopgap, I think. Stopgap. Um, what other team? Maybe, that, I mean, you look at some of the teams around there, I think maybe... Palace for Guaita, I think yeah. Guaita, Sam Johnson's been so I think Ariel would be really smart signing for Palace actually. Mm. Um but the rest of the squad is what excites me a bit more. I mean I I'm I'm always drawn to Mikel Antonio, but he's not actually played that well recently, True. which is a shame. Because he's a fantastic player when he's got confidence. I think Naya Fagel would be a really, really smart signing for any team. I would say Newcastle, he'd be really, really smart mm. signing for them. Looking at other players, I would say maybe so far as a as a mid table ish right back. Fornaus? Uh Pablo Fornaus would be a smart signing as well. Lucas Paqueta, obviously. Yeah. Um Declan Rice, clearly. Obviously. Um, he he would be the the star pick of that bunch. Hundred percent. I think we've said it more on this podcast than, than other people, but I like Declan Rice's versatility, centre-back, defensive midfield, possibly even a progressive number eight. Again, very similar, not very similar, similar-ish to Bellingham in terms of his dribbling is, is his, progressive. Yeah, his key attributes, oh, his key progressive attributes anyway. Um, I do think, yeah. Could you see Declan Rice going back to, to centre-half? Or do you think... Because I think he has the mobility to do For that. another club or for West Ham? For another club. For another club, no. For West Ham, I think he'd do it. Um, because I'm thinking... I mean, Declan Rice at Liverpool would be really, really astute in that midfield. Would they have the money for it? Probably not. Declan Rice at Arsenal. Um, would he be better than Rob Holding at centre-back? Probably. Um, and actually give them a really good upgrade on Thomas Partey, but also covering centre-back. So let's say in this current crisis when Saliba's out. Yeah. I think Rice provides you with extra mobility. He's not slow. And he's relatively mobile, more mobile than someone like Harry Maguire, for example. Um, but, and then in attack, I would take, uh, I would take, Ben Rahm has been linked to AC Milan recently. Yeah, I mean, he could, he's, he's uh, got a good selection of places he could go. Ben Rama, Corne, I'm not that convinced by Jared Bowen, I'll be honest. Um, I think he'd do really well in the champ. I mean, he's got five goals this season. Um, and Skamaka, I think he's been underwhelming in the Premier League, only getting three yeah. goals. But I think in another European league, he'd be very, very good. Um, possibly even Tito Kerr, if you're needing a centre half, I would look at possibly, who knows, maybe Aston Villa. Um, but any other players? I think Four Nows would be really, really good for, for a mid table Premier League team. Yeah. Or even a La Liga team going back to Spain. Um, looking at Bournemouth, for example, very few players, I would say. Bo- yeah, probably are, Neto. I'd probably take Neto as a backup goalkeeper. Bournemouth are a system team. 100%. Um, which will make it hard, if they do need to sell players, will make it harder to do that because their players individually aren't as good as other teams. It, it's just that they play cohesive football. Well, aside from when they win a relegation battle. I would take Senesi as a left-sided centre-back. Um, Neto. Jordan Zemura is going to Udinese, so he's been frozen out. 
Cook, wouldn't mind Lewis Cook. Tavin, Marcus Tavernier is all right. Hamad Traore, Ahmad's brother. Philip Billing would do a decent side. Watara, actually, I've been decently impressed by it, to be honest. I think he'd be a really, really smart signing for, for any mid-table Premier League club. What are your thoughts on the Bournemouth squad? Um, to be honest, they, they aren't much more than that. They, they are just a solid team. Uh, but the emphasis is on team. They do not really have anyone. I think that's really the issue with why Bournemouth win this relegation battle. They don't have anyone who they can turn to in a moment of desperation and say, can you do something for us? Exactly. Uh, I I agree. But a, t- a good team, I think we mentioned this many times, but football shows you that the system is is the most important ingredient over everything. Obviously, you have to have players who fit the system, but... Mm with young players as teams such as AC Milan have shown, um, young players are key to it. And Bournemouth do have some very, very good young players. What about the Leeds squad? A few highlights for you. Sinistera. Sinistera. Melier. Yeah, yes. I'm not massively convinced by him at, at the elite level, but at the top level, yeah. The American... Uh, Tyler Adams McKenney's on loan so we're not really going to count yeah. him McKenney I think would be a smart signing as a as a rotational choice for a lot of Premier League sides I will say this I think Man City will let go of Calvin, Calvin Phillips in the summer I would replace him with Mark Rocco if Leeds go down I think Mark Rocco's a really really smart signing um, especially in that Regista role behind Rodri Um and I think you could get him for really, really cheap. I would really like Mark Rocker to go to top side because I think he could do it. He's unfortunate at Bayern because he was very, very injury prone at that stage. But he's shown he can do it in the Premier League, um, as the old adage goes. What about Max Wober? They signed, you know, the Austrian centre-back. Yeah. He looks like um, Kenny from Meet the... The Millers, you know that that Jennifer Aniston, Jason Sudeikis movie. Goodness, no, I, I I can't I can't claim to know the film. Sadly, um, I I think anyone who plays centre back for Leeds has a bit of a rough time of it anyway. True, because they're not a team built on defensive solidity. Um, so I don't think that will have done him any favours. I've not been. It it does mean it's easy to stand out defensively at Leeds. But I don't think that means he's got enough to necessarily make it to other clubs. I'd agree. Um, well, that excites me a lot is Leeds' attack, actually. Yeah, I mean, their attack is sensational. Sinistera, Wilfred Nonto. I think Nonto would be a really, really good signing for for any team who are looking to, to challenge for European places. Mm. I mean, I look at Man United, for example, he'd give us another option. Um, he can I'm, play across the front line. I'm not quite sure he's a Man United level option, but I'm looking at someone like, for example, if if Brentford or Fulham can keep up their, can maintain this baseline and they sign someone like Anonto, they'll be in a really good position. I do think his ceiling is maybe a little higher than that. Yeah. I would say probably maybe Villa, um, but Brentford and Fulham would be a really good next step for him. He's only 18, 19. Um, so if he, he did establish himself there, that would be really, really good. Um, I'm looking at someone like, yeah, Sinistera. He's been very injury prone, but he's another world. Yeah, world he's, he's, if you can keep him player. fit, he'll be fantastic. He'll be really, really good. Um, I do think that teams needing attacking options, again, across the front line would do 
a lot worse than Sinistera. Uh, we're not recommending any of these players for Chelsea, of course. Their squad is already too bloated in any case. The Chelsea squad is like uh, when you go to McDonald's and you've had a massive meal um, and the last thing you want to do is think about eating again. Um, Rodrigo? Or is he too old? No, I think I think he'd be. I think he's still good enough at the moment. Backup striker, I think. Yeah, I think you you sign him for instant quality. You don't necessarily sign him long term, but as someone, if you need, maybe not necessarily a goal scorer, but a creator, then yeah, go for him. That that would be Leeds. I mean, some of it I think just needs a little more time, but the talent yeah. is clearly there. Um, Forest Forest have made thirty six signings. And how many of those are going to be available if they go down again? Well, now it's will go back to PSG. Yeah. Henderson will get sold somewhere by Man United, hopefully Spurs. Um, so you can infe- infect them with his mentality. Um, I mean, the thing with Forrest is, I mean, would you, you could take Gibbs White would and Mangala. Say, would Lingard go back to West Ham? I think he's alluded to this before, but there's a few things behind the scenes which may not make that possible. Yeah, it it, it felt it, it felt weird that he didn't go that back there in the first place. I'd agree, but he's not showing much at Forest at all. So no, again underrated. But I think Remo Freuler would be a really smart signing for for a team mid table, mid table, Fulham, Villa, Brentford. Any one of those teams, I mean, even New, I'd say Newcastle as well. I think Remo Freuler, yeah, he has a wealth of Champions League experience. He's very good on the ball, um, and he brings really good leadership qualities. I'd also be looking at Danilo. From, yeah, I was, I was just trying to think what his name was. Yeah, Danilo, of course. Um, another sort of rich, good quality box to box defensive midfielder. Yeah, um, I think he's left footed, so I would also like him in Man United because I was thinking to myself before I went to bed. I was like, how good it would would it be? Because if I if I was managing a team or constructing a team, and I want two left footers in my back line, at least one left footed central midfielder, um, maybe you know left footed number ten because I think left footers in the attack are extremely special. Um, so at least two left footed attackers and maybe even a left footed goalkeeper. So that's sort of five. I would I would ideally like my team to be uh, five or six left footed players. Um, because I think the way they dribble and the the way their brain is orientated in terms of creativity just soars through the roof, the roof really. Um, I mean, there's countless examples of wonderfully gifted left-footed players. So that that would be be my thing. Where that fits in, obviously, United have. A dearth of left-footed players, and I would bring balance to that squad to roughly be sort of 65, 35, or sort of 55, 45 left-footed to right-footed players because you do need that in the modern game. And again, we talk about angles, um, striking capabilities. I think left-footed players are essential. There's my left-footed rant over. Um, any other players, really? Um, uh, from that forest team? Um, the attack is underwhelming, to say the least. Maybe yeah. Brian Johnson. I mean, that's an attack that's not even scored 30 goals this season. Um, unlike the next one we're going to look at. Leicester. Which uh, has scored 44. How many of those own goals that they've conceded are Vought Fass's fault? They've, they've scored more goals than any other team in the bottom half of the table. Probably conceded quite a few more than, than, than them as well. 
Um, oh, who are you no. taking from... Strangely, their goal difference is pretty decent. It's only minus 13. Everyone around them's in the minus 20s or 30s. Who would you take from, from Leicester? Um, Sion Chu's agreed to move to Atletico yeah. Madrid uh, on a pre-contract. Well, I think that's a very good deal. Um, you... He's not been as good this season, but I do think he's got enough quality there. Harry Suter? Your boy, yeah, Harry, Harry Suter. Suter. Harry Suter is, a, I think, a very good signing. Again, we're, we're looking at that mid-table pushing for Europe level. I think he'd be fantastic there. Brentford, Fulham, yeah. something along those lines. I, I think those clubs could do some really good business with any team that gets relegated this season. I think. Do you think the boat for Ricardo Pereira is gone after that injury? I think so, yeah. He's, he's not been the same since um, because he was ACL, wasn't he? I think so. Or MCL, yeah. one of the two. I, th- I think it was ACL. I'm not certain, but it, it's a horrible injury to have. And he's his style of play just wasn't suited to what you've got to do after you've recovered from that. Exactly. Again, another few players. Leicester have a squad which you think, okay, two, three years ago, you could get really, really good money for them and they were at the top of their game. Yeah. Players like Ndidi, uh, Tielemans... Is Ian Iheanacho still there? Isn't Iheanacho is yeah. still there, and Vardy, of course. Sumare, those are all really exciting players. A couple of years ago, but I don't know where they get moves now. They, it feels like a squad that's just stuck around slightly too long after a bit, its a time. bit like Spurs on the Pochettino in a way. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's um, and it's a real shame. It's a real shame because if Leicester do go down, I'll miss having them in the Premier League. Um. But but it a does very look likely, very good players to get for. Yeah, I mean Madison, I would say is mid-table pushing for Europe. Mad- Madison, I could see getting a move to someone like. Uh, I I almost wonder if he would do if he would have a bit of a resurgence at Arsenal. Actually, I in, in f- the same way that Leandro Trossard did. I actually think Madison, Madison should go abroad, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm not averse to that, to be honest. Um, Playing in, well, Italian league, maybe? Uh, tactically, he would improve a lot. And actually, what I was thinking is, yesterday, watching the Liverpool-West Ham game, imagine putting Trent Alexander-Arnold in a Simeone system. I know that'd be horrible, but <laughs> just send him to train with Simeone for a little bit or send him to, to AC Milan to, to train. Because if you put... Trent Alexander on. I know he's been inverting a little bit recently, but I think he'd be two, three, four, five, six, seven, maybe even ten times the defender if you put him in one of those in the Italian league because of the tactical work that's done. Yeah. Um, maybe you go to, if you're Jurgen Klopp, you try and um, you're not going to loan him out at this stage. He's 24, but maybe speak to an Italian manager and try and get him some some lessons. Or, or some Italian coaches. Mm. That that could be really, really good because, I mean, if I was a manager and I was constructing my backroom staff, um, I would have German goalkeeping coaches, um, probably an Italian defend, uh, defending coach. And I would actually, in my backroom staff, I would have a coach who works with the defenders, a midfield who looks at the midfield, or maybe even the attack. That's why, actually, as I mentioned I think maybe this was earlier this year. Midfielders make the best managers mm. historically, and that's not a correlation. I think that's because midfielders and central defenders and central defenders because they see the game what's in in front of yeah. them. Simply, simply put, um, and have someone to work with, work with the strikers. And if you get 
I would probably get a striker coach who's not had, had not been at the elite elite level because sometimes when you are top 10, 15, 20 players in the world, you you have a lot of natural talent and hard work that sometimes you expect the same out of others. Yeah. Thierry Henry, for example. Um, but point being is English players could do a lot going abroad. I know Harry Winks has gone to Sampdoria this season, but Sampdoria is struggling massive, yeah. really, really badly. And having him in a relegation side in Italy is not a great idea, even though Genoa is a very nice place to live, I can imagine. Um, yeah, Leicester, Leicester, I mean, Pats and Dak have sort of fallen off a little bit as well. Yeah. It's, they, they will struggle to, to move players on, I think. They'll, either that or they'll just have a really bad transfer window where they have to let people go for much less money than they should do. Exactly. Um, we look at the Everton squad now, for example. I mean, I can see maybe Mikalenko. Mm. Uh, I, I think there's a few clubs. Is Seamus Coleman retiring this year? I'm not sure. If he isn't, I think he'd be a great get for someone. I think he's too old now. On a free contract or a, a very very low transfer fee, I think. I think he'd be good for a dressing room. Yeah. He's a dressing room signing. Um, Onana from Everton, I'd say, mm. and then probably Iwobi, and that's because I wouldn't touch Calvert Lewin with a barge pole. <laughs> uh, McNeil is a Championship player. Maybe Iwobi for a central midfielder. I would say again, sort of Fulham. Maybe back up at Liverpool, for example, but it's that's strange. never going to happen. You look at Everton and you think it's Everton; they must have a good squad, but, but they don't. They, yeah, they. It's just not quite. Somehow, it's all fallen through the through the net for them. I'd agree, but they've they've got some key games coming up: Newcastle, they've got City, they've got uh, they've not got Chelsea. But if Everton can get a lot of points from those big games, I think Everton could stay up. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got a game in hand and they are two points off 16th. It's possible. I'm not sure. I, I don't want to give it anything more than that, though. I would say Ever- the equivalent of Everton going down is the equivalent of Schalke going down to the Bundesliga as well. Yeah. Um, not a, because yeah, blo- both teams have blue, uh, wear blue and uh, they both have blue badges. That's not the case. Um, it's a really good comparison, that, actually. But... Um, just big clubs historically have sort of fallen off the wayside a little bit. I think the Southampton squad's not bad actually. Gavin Bazunu actually statistically is one of the worst goalkeepers in Europe. Yeah, he's he's had a dreadful, dreadful time of it. I mean I'm looking at Bella Kotchup, for example, be a yeah. really, really good signing under a coach who's looking to develop I've got three words for you. James Ward Prowse. Stays in the championship. You see he stays in the championship? Outside of set pieces, he doesn't really offer much. I I think I don't think that's on him. I think that's on the coaching. I I think that's tactical, and I think that's on the coaching. I how, think how he's a fantastic he? midfielder. Let's see how old he is. He's been around for a while. He has, yeah, but I think he's still reasonably young. Twenty eight. Yeah, I I think I reckon that lower mid table sides in the Premier League could do a lot worse than signing James Ward Prowse, as long as they think they've got the coaching to to. Bring him back to his old form. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think his midfield. I think his midfield teammates are way better. Lavia, for example, Carlos Alcaraz. I've been relatively impressed by. Um, I think. I, I mean, I would go for Belakotchup. Maybe even Salisu. You look at uh, Chileta Char, uh, Chileta Sar might be. I mean, Lianco. 
They signed from Torino. He's okay-ish. Not 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 great. Um, I mean, if I had to take my pick, Bella Kotchup, I would bring to to a top four club. I think. I think he Spurs could do a lot worse than getting Arnold Bella Kotchup, in my opinion. Um, Salisu is left foot centre back as well. Maybe both for Spurs. Yep. Um, looking at. Lavia, I would love to have Lavia at United. I think he'd be a really, really good signing. Um, the Man City buyback clause doesn't kick into next year. Yeah. Um, and just as a yeah, that's all right. Um, Alcaraz, he's more of a a ten slash box to box, I believe. So again, you're looking at Fulham maybe as a rotation option for Andreas Pereira there. Um, attack wise. Have we seen much of Paul Onuachu this season? I haven't, personally. Um, I mean... Yeah, that's because he's only played 180 minutes. Yeah, um, that's... Again, Southampton have only scored 27 goals this season. I wouldn't be looking at their strikers. True, but Onuachu's only played 180 minutes since he's joined. <laughs> um, he's six foot seven. Mara is not a bad option. Sekumara, young player, they signed from Bordeaux. Maybe. Um, if you can get him cheaply, I think he might be worth a punt. I would say looking at Brentford, possibly, as an as Ivan Tony replacement. Um, and in other words, sorry, in Europe, Napoli being linked with Tammy Abraham. What are your thoughts on that as an Osman replacement? I mean, and, you're not going to find someone at Osman's level, but... I don't think that's the worst piece of business in the world. I think I think that's a stopgap signing. I don't think he's going to... Well, no, maybe, actually. He could be there for two or three years and do okay. I, if I was Napoli selling Osman this summer, Rasmus Hoyland... If you're selling Osman this summer, you've got a lot more money to burn to buy someone best than Abraham, I think. Rasmus Hoyland, perhaps? Um yeah. I think Bayern Munich are trying to offer cash plus Sadio Mane in a swap deal for Osman. I think Juntoli and and De Laurentiis are smarter than than that, really. Yeah, they, they'd have to be, given what they've seen from Mane at, at Bayern, which is its own saga. Yeah, that that's not been a good time. I mean, if I'm looking at strikers for Napoli, I actually, do you know what? I'll say this. Brighton could do a lot worse than someone like Sekumara or Skamaka, for example. Yeah. Deserbi knows Skamaka from his time at Sassuolo. And even this season, if Skamaka looks like he's going to depart, I'd say Brighton would be a really, really good place for him. Yeah. Um, obviously, they have Ferguson, Welbeck, uh, Undav, who I think they would sell. Undav wouldn't be a bad championship striker. How maybe. long do you think Evan Ferguson stays at, at Brighton for? Well, he's signed he's- a new deal. I think two, three years. From um, now? From now. I'm not sure he stays past next summer. I think next summer someone buys him. Evan Ferguson to Dortmund, what are your thoughts on that as a as a signing? Um I I I wouldn't do it yet. Or RB Leipzig. I'd want to see RB Leipzig I can see slightly more. They've got Sesco already. Yeah, I'd I'd but. want to see how he progresses a little bit more, because it's just, just size, too yeah. soon. If he'd broken out two months earlier. I think this summer he might have moved. Maybe give it another season. I think Evan Ferguson yeah. don't be really, really smart signing. Um, that's the relegation front covered. Um, now, let's move on to 
our predictions. Um, so what was what were the predictions looking like from last week, Mr. Ferguson? Well, uh, so we, we don't actually have all of them at time of recording because we predicted uh, the Thursday evening matches, which haven't happened while we're speaking. But of all the others, I do have a question I need to ask you. Um, in the event that a match goes to a penalty shootout and the team that wins the shootout is the team that one person has predicted, should that count as a draw or a win? I think we give them the win. You give them the win? Okay. So we're giving Mr. Jennings Man United then? No, I'm giving you Man United. Oh, did I? What did I say? Oh, because I predicted United win, right? Yeah. All right. In which case, as I update the numbers, the numbers, Mason, what do they mean? I can tell you that uh, you have scored 12 correct predictions out of the... How many do we have? Out of the 29. Uh, how many correct scores? Uh, sorry, 28. Uh, with two correct scores. Okay. Which and... were Fulham Leeds and Chelsea Brentford. Hmm. Um, which you correctly predicted that Chelsea would suffer a humiliating home defeat. Hmm. Was that the only one who uh, predicted that? Uh, I also predicted that, but I didn't get the score right. Would you say 1-0 or 2-1? Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas I got nine correct results with no correct scores. Did so, Mr. Jennings have any predictions? No, because he was he was away over the uh, yeah, 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 his, yeah. Uh, his injury. Um, but it does mean that you've started the summer term 16-9 up. I'll take that. Um, that's been good. Um, quick, Maybe a quick rundown of of the predictions because I think I predicted 2-1 Leverkusen and it was 2-0 um, uh, yeah so you uh, you got uh, of matches you got correct were Liverpool Forest you predicted Liverpool win uh, Newcastle Tottenham uh, didn't predict as emphatic no didn't predict the emphatic scoreline uh, Brighton Man United in the Cup semi-final uh, Villa Fulham you got correct for Villa uh, I, I'm a, I had a, had a re, an absolute stinker with the Sheffield United Man City one <laughs> yes you did Um and I, I called you crazy at the time. Um, the Leeds Leicester game finished in a draw, as you said, and Forest beat Brighton at home. Um, did I say Forest were going to beat Brighton at home? Yeah. What did you, I predict? You only said one nil, but you did get that right. Yeah, Forest have been really good at home, to be honest. Um, you got Dortmund Frankfurt. As did a I say Dortmund two win? Did I say two nil? You or two? did. Yep. Oh. Um, uh, Leverkusen Leipzig. You had a two one down for Leverkusen, and it was actually two nil. Uh, you predicted Napoli to beat Juve away. What did I say? 2-1? Uh, 2-0. 2-0. Oh. Um, and your final quick prediction was PSG Angers. You predicted a 2-0 win well, for PSG. 2-1. So fine margins there. I could have been on yeah. a lot more points, but we'll, we'll take that as is. Uh, let's do the, some of the weekend predictions now. Yeah, and we've had, and there's a, a, hand, a smattering of midweek Premier League, Premier League games as well. Uh, let's, let's get those done. So, um, oh... Apparently the Arsenal... Ch- oh, oh, okay, makes sense, I think. It says postponed on here, but that means... I think it means postponed from another time. Um, possible As he drops his water bottle on the floor. It's a good job that water bottle had a cap on it. <sighs> now, Palace West Ham. Palace favoured to win by edge. Mr. Ferguson, kick us off, please. Um... I I don't favour Palace on this one. I favour West Ham 2-1. Palace at home. I'll go 2-1 Palace. 2-1 Palace, okay. Brighton against Wolves. Your 
birthplace team, right? Yes, indeed. Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 two, two, Brighton. Uh, I think this is going to be heavy, and I think this could be a 3-0 to Brighton. Brentford Forest, Forrester away, their away record isn't great. Um, Brentford predicted to win by edge, but what are you, are you agreeing with edge? Brentford oh yes, ab- absolutely I'm agreeing with edge. I think Brentford are going to do a number here on Forest. I think 3-1. I'll go 2-0. Arsenal, Chelsea. The question is, what is it going to be? How many are Arsenal? Oh, that's why the Arsenal-Chelsea match is postponed to midweek, that's why. Oh, why is it postponed? It's postponed to, to Tuesday, I believe. How, uh, why so? No idea, to be honest. Um, because um, I've I've got that down as a as a match that's happening later in the week. Oh, is it? Uh, let's let me check. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, is it to the Tuesday? You said. Yeah, I wonder if that's because I think Arsenal might have a home fixture in the Women's Super League, and they might be playing at the Emirates. Maybe I'm not certain. Okay, all right. Thank you for that. Sunday, Bournemouth Leeds. Yeah, battle of fifteenth, sixteenth. Um, I I could see Leeds sneaking something here in a three-two scrap fest. I'm gonna go two-one Leeds. United Villa, Villa in form, but United are at home. Three-one United. Yeah, I'm I'm slightly more confident in this match than I would normally be. I'm gonna say two-nil. Newcastle against the Saints, the bottom place Saints. Do the Saints still have any life in them? Are they going to be blessed? I think they're going to be martyred. Uh, 4-0, I'm going to go. Yeah, I was going to say 5-1. I think think Newcastle will bring some serious smoke to that. Fulham City, um, what are you going for? This is a tough one to predict. 1-0. I think think City won't maintain the level they've played at against Arsenal and Fulham are a much better team than people are giving credit for. You kind of stole my prediction there, but I'm gonna go <laughs> I'm gonna go two two. Two two, okay. Liverpool against Spurs. I mean, draw numbers out of a hat for this one. <laughs> Anything could happen here, I think. <laughs> but I favour Liverpool more than I favour Spurs here. A one nil. Uh it's at Anfield, I'll go three one. Moving on to La Liga. Um, let's check the Saturday out. Oh, Barcelona Betis. Barcelona at home, having just lost. I'm actually going to go for a a, uh, a one-all draw on this one. Uh, what about? I'm I'm going to take a one-nil Barca. I think they're. I mean, they're so strong defensively in La Liga. And we're going to do an, a little bit of an anti-chronological prediction here. Bilbao against Sevilla tonight at nine o'clock. Um, I'm going to go two. I'm going to go one nil to Athletic Club on this one. Sevilla. Uh, I think as I looking at the tables yeah, as I quickly pull the La Liga table back up again. Um, Bilbao seventh. Sevilla thirteenth. Yeah, I, Bilbao uh, Sevilla on a Decent run, but we'll both want a better run, and it's at home. Yeah, I'll take. Uh, uh, what did you have for that, Zoe? Uh I think I went one 0 Bilbao. One 0 because they're not a high scoring team. No, I I will take a two 0 Bilbao. Okie doke. So, um, let's just check any Sunday fixtures. Not really. Um, we're gonna go chronologically. I mean, that makes the most sense there. 
Bundesliga. Uh, tonight is Dortmund Bochum, so you can watch it free on their um, YouTube channel. Uh, we'll predict this. I think I'm going to go three 0 Dortmund. This yeah. one, uh, this four uh, 0 I think this is going to be a slamming. Leverkusen against Union Berlin on Saturday. Um, what? Uh, Dortmund games on Friday. Uh, tomorrow, by the way. Yeah. Um, Berlin Leverkusen. Uh, I'm going to go two nil to the Leverkusen. Two nil Leverkusen. Uh, I will. No, I've I've got Berlin for this one. Um, slightly stuttering at the moment, but I think they've still got enough in them to get a one nil away win. Now we go to Liga, PSG against Lorient on Sunday at a four o five kickoff. Intriguing time. Ah, uh, yes, the, the the classic league uh strange kickoff time. Lorient have dropped from the top four to eleventh. But if they win, they will go into the top. They will be eighth. Lyon have actually come out of nowhere in a way. Um, they're seventh now. I mean, the, and the top four of French football takes shape with Marseille, Lens, and then Monaco. Um, just as a reminder for our listeners, uh, the Liga is going to have eighteen teams next year. They're going back to an eighteen-team league. So I think. It's four going down, two coming yeah. up. Four, it's definitely four going down, which is currently Brest, Troy, Ajaccio, and Angers. Um, and in that case, I'm going to go for a two-one PSG victory. Yeah, PSG, I think, are, are actually too good for Lorient. And I, I know I like to sometimes predict an upset for them, but they will win this one three 0 uh, we've got some big clashes in Serie A on Saturday. You've got Roma against Milan. Roma at home. This, especially with Juventus's current, go- current goings-on. The point, reinstation. Reinstention? However you say it. So, Milan are currently above Roma on goals scored. That's how close it is. Same goal difference, same points. It's on goals scored. Um, Roma at home. And this is a hard one. I think I'm going to go 2-2. This screams Mourinho Housery. (laughs) Um, 1-0 Roma. Sunday, 11.30 UK kickoff. Inter against Lazio. Lazio lost to Torino last time out. Um, They're playing Inter away. But I'm going to go for E Laziali. I'm going to go 2-1 to Lazio. They're a better team. Inter are sixth now because of what's happened with Juventus. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, I think it's that. That's how it's going to go down. And I think that you're right there. I think Lazio are, are too strong. I will go for one nil. I, I don't think this is actually going to be that good a game, to be honest. I agree. Um, let's check Portugal. Are there any good games in Portugal? No. Should we check uh, the Era Divisi? Let's see. Um, Let's have a look. Nope, so no games this coming weekend. Uh, The league finish. Yeah, championship. Should we check out the EFL as it comes to a close? Um, So QPR. Oh, Sunderland and Watford. Let's do that one. Um, A first for us doing a championship prediction. I know. Uh, 
I I've somewhat followed Sunderland because of the loan right. progress from Diallo. Um, they're in the playoff places and they can't, they need to win to, mm. to stay in them. Um, they have been faltering lately, though, uh, from what I've seen. They've not quite held the same They did standards. beat West Brom uh, last time out. They drew against the Huddersfield, beat Birmingham, beat uh, Sunderland, drew 4 all against Hull. Yeah, that was a wild game. Um, I've got... I've got a one-all draw for this, I think. I'll go two on Sunderland. Up. Up the Black Cats. Um, I think Watford. Uh, third manager, Chris Wilder, slightly faltering in 13th. Although if they win, they might be in a, with a... Sh- uh, nah, Watford out of the playoffs. Um, obviously, the f- top two are confirmed now with sort of Sheffield United and Luton. So with Sheffield United winning last night against uh, West Brom, so ultimately this is well. I think Luton will be in there. Yeah, Luton are going to be in the playoffs. So are Borough. Um, they can't really be caught up because and that, and it's just now between Coventry, Sunderland, Millwall, and Blackburn, with West Ham and Preston having an outside shout. So the Championship uh, race, the playoff race, looking increasingly. Tense. Now let's go to some midweek fixtures. Um, Premier League wise, Leicester Everton at the King Power. Yeah, well, uh, talk about a relegation six pointer. This is uh, 18th plays 19th. And I, do you know what? I think I fancy Everton to scrape something here. I'm going to go for a 2 1 away win. And as we see on the other screen, Everything is sweet as playing, and I think it's going to be a, a toffee day on uh, at the King Powerful. <laughs> no, that was, that was good. You got to give me that. You got to give me that. I think I'm going to go one 0 Everton. Um, I, t- I I seized the opportunity like Erling Haaland. Well, actually, not against Arsenal because he's a bit poor finishing wise. But um, Arsenal Chelsea. I'm going to go four one Arsenal. I I think it won't be that comprehensive, but two uh, nil Arsenal. Uh, midweek, you've got Liverpool against Fulham, and then Man City against West Ham. I'm going to go for a one-one draw for Liverpool Fulham, and I'm actually going to go for a one-one Man City against Ooh, West Ham. Interesting, interesting. Um, Liverpool Fulham. I actually I I back Fulham to get something at Anfield, uh, one nil away. I think City West Ham. I think that's a game they'll get points in. I'm going to go three nil. Uh, and then there's Brighton Man United. Brighton Man United on th- next Thursday. It's on. It's at the Amex. But I'm going to go two nil Man United. Uh, this could be frustrating. I think one all. La Liga. Let's check the midweek fixtures out. Real Sociedad, Real Madrid. A tough fixture nonetheless. But Real Madrid have an outside chance of winning the league. They got seven games left to do turn over an eleven point. I uh, I wouldn't deficit. hold my breath for that. Personally, um, I think they'll win this one, though. I think they'll win this 3 0. Wow, I'm gonna go 2 0. On the Wednesday, Valencia against Villarreal. Valencia need wins, they're 18th. They have a game in hand, so I think they might get safety. But a club of Valencia size again, like the Everton, like the Everton, well, I think they're slightly bigger than Everton because they haven't, haven't they won the Champions League recently in like the early 2000s or something, mm, something on those uh, lines. Uh, Ooh, or was that Depor? Yeah. Val- Valencia, Cha- 
Champions League. I swear they've they, won the Champions I don't think they've won the Champions League. I think they might have won the Europa League. Uh, Champions League winners. Uh, uh, they've won the Europa League. They were runners-up for a while. I think it was Dep- Depor, Deportivo La Coruña, who, uh, are they still around? They are. Um, where did they play now? I think they're in like a second or third tier, which is pretty crazy to think. Um, they definitely aren't top flight anymore. I know that much. Uh, honours. I, th- I thought, well, they won it in 1990,000. European, where does it say European records? They won the Champions League. Doesn't look like it. Um, Europe, Europe, Europe. They got to the final in 05, 06. But, um, yeah, that was a little aside there. Um, looking at the other games, not really any of note. Bundesliga midweek, or the Friday game. It's not, we've got the weekend games. Liga, uh, no, none there. Syria, it's always a big game in Syria, you feel. It's always got a big game of some sort. I mean, Udinese, Napoli, 10th versus 1st. I'm going to go 3-1 Napoli. Um, yeah, I think you'd be crazy to back, back to, against Napoli on that one. Um, I'm, I'm even going to take a 4-0. Wow. I think that might be it for the top five leagues. I'm just going to bring up Portugal just in case. Um, uh, nope, no midweek fixtures there. What about the Eredivisie? Ah, oh, we already checked that. Um, so yeah, that's another episode of O Jogo Bonito. Anything else to add, Mr. Ferguson, football-wise? Um, Tottenham bottle jobs. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> Uh, take care see you next time and uh, have a good one peace